exploring faith journeys and inspiring ministries that embody the good news of God, this is the Cumberland Road. I'm your host, T.J. Milanowski. Today, B.J. Mathis joins me. B.J. was born in New London, Connecticut, but he has spent most of his time in the state of Tennessee, and he is currently serving as the youth and young adult minister at the Winchester Cumberland Presbyterian Church. He has been there for 16 years. B.J., thank you for joining me on the Cumberland Road. It's good to have you. That's good to be here. Thanks for the invite. So a man who is well-traveled and a man who, uh, who has served at the Winchester Church for quite some time, you must have some stories. I do. I do have a few, maybe. <laughs> that I'll well, tell. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's go pretty far back in your journey. Can you recall, um, and would you share with us, the, your earliest encounter with God? Well, it's kind of abstract, but as a younger, uh, I mean, definitely preschool even, but especially early elementary and to to right before middle school, I lived on a farm and we had a lot of space to be outdoors and there was a woods behind the house and there were just all kinds of stuff. And we always had animals and dogs and cats and horses and sometimes we had uh, cows and uh, I kind of I, I don't know that like I would have necessarily thought of it in a specific way this is God but I experienced being outside in nature and felt very connected to everything around me in a in, in a special way like I just have a lot of just I don't know like looking back feeling like that was kind of where it started being um i'm the youngest of three but my siblings are seven and nine years older than me so in a lot of ways especially to go play or just i operated as an only child and we live so far out i mean i know i put i'm from mcminnville but really i'm from an uh, from an unincorporated town called Centertown, and uh you know i didn't have a neighborhood of friends to run around with. So I, I really had to use my uh, imagination a lot. And I just feel like part of it was that, but also I think just kind of, man, I, it was just so peaceful. And, the, you know, like just being a part of nature in that way for me, uh, I'm still a big nature lover and see it in a, a little bit different way now. But looking back then, I feel like that's kind of where I first really encountered like God is creator, you know, mm -hmm. as far as kind of taking that relationship to something a little more concrete, um, I, I feel like it happened for me. Like I, there's, I don't like, I'm kind of similar to a lot of people that I don't remember a time where I didn't know God, but, um, where it got real for me was uh, middle school, junior, uh, junior high camp at Crystal Springs. That's kind of where I took ownership of my faith. That was probably the first time um, I've had an experience with God that was kind of corporate, you know, like in a, in a real way, like with other people responding as well. And they're just being conversations and prayers and just kind of this group experience of of experiencing what's going on in that moment. And uh, it was very, very powerful. And it's probably why I'm so fond of Crystal Springs. Um, outside of all those relationships, that relationship has been the foundational one that has kind of just opened up a lot in, in my own life and, and I think for many others. So 
that's definitely part of it. I mean, I grew up in the church. Um, my family's very involved in the church. Um, yeah. What, what generation Cumberland Presbyterian are you? I'm fourth through my mom's side. My dad's side, they went other places, but uh, my mom's family has been a part of the Bates Hill Church since its foundation. So, oh, wow. Um, and it's it's been there a minute. We've se- I remember growing up, I was real little, but we celebrated like a 150 years, something, and it was in like the 80s, late 80s or something like that. So it's been around. Um, <laughs> and, uh, so yeah, I've always been there. A lot of I me, mean, my mom plays the organ, my aunt plays the piano, my great uncle led the singing, my my cousin now leads the singing. Um, most of the choir was, you know, cousins and siblings, and you know, I, it, and even if they weren't directly kin, it just felt like a big family in a real way. Um, most of I I really thrived in that congregation as a young kid, um, I, I had friends from all ages, you know, and, um, some of my favorite people were (laughs) in their (laughs) eighties and, you know, that, that doesn't happen a whole lot. I feel like in the ministry I I'm a part of, um, at Winchester because we're a larger congregation. And, uh, but I look back and I just realized how impactful that was, um, for them to invest in me. So, what would you say some of the benefits are in that faith formation to be in kind of a, a family atmosphere within the church? I think you just feel, you feel like you're, you're one, you know, you're united. You're not sectioned off. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think part of the challenging times that we live in is not feeling a part of things, you know, um, not, not sensing in a real way community especially at church. And what happens, unfortunately, in the Winchester church that we try to, it's a pitfall, but we, we've tried to mind the gap. But, <laughs> um, you know, students grow up, they maybe go off to college or start working or post high school. And they're real, really their only connections have been myself, which fortunately I've been there for a long time, so I'm still present. Um, but a lot of their other connections are gone, you know? And whereas I go to Bates Hill and it's like, I haven't been there in years on, on a regular, you know, in a regular way, but I'm still very connected. Mm-hmm. So, because it's just a communal thing, it's, it's a lot more people investing in one another. Mm-hmm. So I think the benefit to that is just kind of uh, that sense of community, kind of being able to be stretched you know, a little bit further than sometimes when we're kind of in our own little silos of, of right. ministry. You right. Know. And so. there's safety in that as well, that you know that you will always be received as BJ, yeah. you know, f- with that family. For sure. And they know your quirks. They know, you know, they know stories on you you can't even remember, but they still love you. That's so true. <laughs> and that's yeah, that's so definitely true. a benefit. <laughs> <laughs> Well, looking, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. ahead. I I just, there's a lot of, lot of different moments, but that church is very foundational. Crystal Springs through that church has been very foundational. Um, And there's just been more opportunities through that local church 
moving beyond into denominational spaces like CPYC Trianium. Mm-hmm. You know, I eventually ended up at Bethel. Um, all of that has been kind of a, you know, the church was that springboard for me, uh, exposing me to people um, and experiences that, I mean, our church, there was basically me and one other person, uh, Jeremy Whitworth, and we, I mean, we went everywhere and they sent us, you know, and they made sure we got there and they made sure it was covered and we had everything we needed and they were just excited that we wanted to be a part. But that was basically my, my youth, my youth group, me and Jeremy. So, um, until I met all these other people and got to experience um, this greater family that was out there. So looking back upon your, your life and your faith journey, you've mentioned some very tangible and real things. You, we have the earth and, and the creation, how it's impacted you, um, the church, the people within it, and the structure, and uh, Camp Crystal Springs, and uh, Bethel College, now Bethel University. These are very real like places that we can point to and go, look, here they are, here they were, this is what they mean to me. Looking at those tangible places, how has your faith in Jesus Christ given you purpose knowing that these individuals and these physical things have formed you and shaped you into who you are today? What does that look like in terms of your faith in Jesus Christ? I think part of it is experiencing Jesus in a real way through the community of faith watching what people did, watching what people said, watching people commit their time and resources and time. I mean, my grandparents were very influential um, on my faith journey. Uh, And they, I mean, my grandfather, he was a big leader in the church, but he was kind of in a quiet way. And, but I kind of knew like, that I just watched him operate in that way. Um, and it was pretty powerful to me because I believe it or not, I'm more of a behind the scenes guy. Like I like being behind the scenes and not out front. And I especially did at that point in my life, uh, for most of my life, I didn't, I didn't sense, I don't know if it was a worthiness or just the anxiety. Some people get being out front, but I had to be pushed. By God through other people, um, uh, a lot of times to be willing to go there because I'm just happy being, you know, making things happen behind the scenes. But I watched him in that quiet way still make an impact, and that was influential to me. My grandmother, she just, she just led her life, and that's, you know, I mean, she obviously um, had plenty to say, but she also had a lot of just serving that I got to see and I got to go with her we'd make you know like a bereavement meal or you know some type of thing like that and we would deliver it and I would go with her she cleaned my her and my great aunt have cleaned the church for years Mm. um and I mean I I would go with them you know and help and just I watched this faithful dedication this servant type uh, leadership and I think that's part of what I observed and the part about Jesus that I'm most in love with was that he was a servant leader and that he Mm -hmm. is a servant leader, you know? And I experienced that also at camps where I saw these counselors giving up their time 
to to be with uh, knuckleheads, you know, and to be with people that you have to, you know, it just takes special people to to be in those environments, to be able to cut through some of the shenanigans and and hmm. and get down to um, the more meaningful things, maybe. Um, but yeah, like I just saw these people and, and I, I, I felt like I related to them, uh, in a way that like, oh man, like that would be awesome to be able to be, be able to do that someday. And, and there's a lot of people I could name that, that were influential in that way. Just watching people live out their faith has been more influential to me. Now, when I was growing up, I was a bit of a nerd. I still am. And <laughs> I was a, I want to know the answer, you know, why, what, what, why, who says, you know, and I can remember having some, some hard times along the way, um, just trying to like mentally wrap my mind around mm-hmm. things of faith, but what has kept me, I think, grounded is watching people live their faith, even if they don't have all the answers, you know? Yeah. And that's helped me immensely going through that helped me so much in my ministry because so many young people have questions and I'm so okay with saying, I don't know. I thought the same thing, you know, and I'm also um, aware of opportunities to serve and experience God that helps carry them through, you know, those times of of doubt and uncertainty. And because those, those don't go away. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> now, I've been looking forward to asking your asking you this question. You've been in youth and young adult ministry for quite some time, and you get to see the you know through graduation and into college, and maybe even after college, this kind of this void that once you leave high school and you have this circles of of um, faith and circles of support, they change drastically when you enter college or when you graduate college. So I'm wondering, what is it about God that keeps you coming back and identifying with Christianity? And it's sort of a loaded question, because what also would you tell that young person, that young adult, um, that, hey, you will be facing these things. And this is this is why I still believe in God. This is why I'm still a disciple and a Christ follower. So I'm really, I was really looking forward to hearing your response, one on the personal level, but also just what is the message that you would share with a young person who is entering into these new seasons of their life? Well, it's going to sound a little corny, but there's an old gospel, older gospel song that um, I think kind of captures it for me. And it goes, it talks about a lot of different things and it ends up saying, Jesus is the best thing that's ever happened to me. And that's definitely my story. There's plenty of things I could have pursued or done um, outside of kind of listening to that call to serve or listening to how Jesus, you know, God through Jesus, especially just shows us how to live, you know? Um, And it's genuinely, I mean, there's all these many people that, that have been a part of my life Um, but Jesus is always there, you know, and I think cultivating that faith and that relationship in Jesus has been where I've tried to focus it because they carry that with them 
wherever they go, whether I can be there or not, whether their church family uh, remains their church family, you know, like it was when they were younger. Um, you know, I think trying to instill that that core relationship with Jesus um, has been kind of been my focus because that's what's carried me through. Because I mean, my you know my own journey, and I'm sure many others uh, through college and and beyond. When you when you move away from home, you know you you're not around the people that have been kind of fixtures for your faith, um, even in camp ministry, you know, CPYC, stuff like that, you eventually age out of that, you know, and there's even a gap between when you can maybe even for those who feel led, come back and serve. Cause that, I'm so thankful that I've been able to come back and serve. I feel like I've, I feel, I mean, like, I feel so honored cause I feel like I get to give back to something that has given so much to me. So I, it's not, it's, it's just such a special thing. But, um, you know, not everybody's story is going to be that. So finding that relationship in Jesus for yourself and holding on to that wherever you may go, that's going with you. You know, geography might limit where, you know, people can be together, but that doesn't stop God, you know. And so I think that's been kind of where I've landed on it. Um, obviously, encouraging and trying to facilitate uh, opportunities to gather still into young adulthood and adulthood and encouraging participation in campus ministries and etc but ultimately trying to invest and, and kind of emphasize like that relationship you have with God it, it's eternal mm-hmm. you know no matter what changes around you like <laughs> you can hold on to that and that's that's easy to say it's harder to you know get them to invest in because it's it's certainly something you've got to just like any relationship you've got to be committed to sure well that and that's a good segue to my next question for you bj is where do you see god working in your life right now be honest it's you know i've been like so many navigating ministry in a pandemic um i'm I'm not here to cry about that, but I am certainly like, I I feel like I'm pretty creative and open to different ideas, thinking outside the box, but even I've been pushed to exhaustion at times, trying to create meaningful space that sometimes is very hard to achieve when you're socially distanced. So Right. I mean, really currently, very current, you know, like I feel like um, God is is doing something in the midst of all of this that maybe will open up some doors to I think it's it's catalyst for the church to really start thinking more seriously about other options, you know how many churches are now it's virtual and online. And I would have never thought, you know, my, my own church that I grew up in Bates Hill, oh, no, no, they ain't going to buy into that, you know, and they do and they have, and it's like, it's forced us. And there's nobody that we're not at each other because it's something we're all going through, mm-hmm. you know, because you usually have those kind of wars back and forth of different ideas of, of trying to do something different, you know, 
And so I do think there's a lot of opportunity um, for ministry to um, thrive, but it's just a matter of continuing, not, not getting too uh, frustrated in the flux of things, figuring that out. And also not, you know, just becoming bitter that it's maybe never going to be normal, you know. Right. Letting, letting go of some things that may never return. Yeah. So, you know, we might not pass the piece for a while. I don't know. We haven't been doing that, obviously. We, we've, in Winchester, we've operated a little more freely in person than most places I've known. But we still are socially distanced, encouraging masks. Um, we don't do, we don't pass on offering plate, you know. And, and some people, it's so funny, miss that. <laughs> I couldn't care less, but you know, like, I mean, obviously I think it's important to, but that little, little things like that are still like that, just that ritual of it or that tradition of it, you know, it means something to, to certain people and that's fine. It's just, I would have never thought like of all the things, like I miss hugging people, but you miss the offering plate. So, you know, it's just funny, but I think, you know, it's, it's pushing people. It's pushing the church who is often, times behind they're very comfortable very complacent oh you know i don't know let's form a committee and think about it let's take a survey or <laughs> you know i don't know it, it seems like it's pushed us more than it ever has and i know for some churches that might mean you know pretty drastic things i don't know what the case is because i know there's a lot of our churches that have been struggling so I don't want to sound too um, much like I'm trivializing it because uh, it can be painful and it's hard. But um, I think there's hope in the midst of it, you know? Yeah, I, I do too. And I wanted to ask you, so you've named the struggles, you've named some of the pain that has come. We are coming up to, we're at a year in this pandemic. So what are you telling people when where are you pointing people to when people are wondering if God really is at work in the world today? Well, I think for me, uh, I try to get people to look within. Um, I know that's what I've been doing some soul searching, <laughs> you know, trying to figure out who's the real problem here. And have we limited what God can do, you know, by putting God in this proverbial box. So I, I feel like we just have to have fresh eyes, you know, to see that God is still at work um, and God still wants to see his, his kingdom grow, even in the midst of, um, I think, times where we're not sure how that looks, you know? It's not not the the same same old same old, um, you know. And but I think we have to look within and kind of reflect on, you know. I think God created us uh, to bear witness to God. So it's kind of if we're not seeing God, maybe it's something that we need to look within and encourage other people to do. I know I'm looking forward to Lent this year, especially. I think it's going to resonate a little more. We we put a big emphasis on Lent in our youth program for a long time, and our church has kind of come alongside that now. And Ash Wednesday is a big deal and, and different things. We're obviously going to be uh, tweaking it this year, but 
I'm very much looking forward to that. And I, I've kind of shaped it for our youth ministry as opportunities. Are we, are we missing those opportunities that are, are around us just because we, we've come, become too uh, comfortable only seeing God in certain places, you know, and how, how can we look at the opportunities around us to continue to grow and continue to serve? Um, even though we might have to get creative. Cause like, I mean, even as simple as going to visit someone, it's not as simple, you know, you have to get creative. And, and I think people have, um, but a lot of us are busy opining other things that are just aren't, you know, you just kind of get down about things and we miss the opportunities. So, uh, I think we just don't need to sleep on God. You know, we need to wake up to the opportunities at hand um because they're out there and uh and the church i mean we have a lot of opportunities to to continue to be the church you know and in fact we might have more access into people's lives than we ever have goodness you can't hardly get off facebook on you know and not see somebody's doing their services i mean all, i i get to hear a lot of my friends and i didn't before you know um and and get to see their worship services and and stuff like that and i i i enjoy that <laughs> i don't know how, how many others that means anything to it means something to me and so we might even have more of a presence in people's lives than we realize bj what is one hope that you have for the church where would you like to see the church with a capital c five years from now i feel like we are very, I'm going to say staff centric for my context, like a, I would say pastor centric for a lot of our smaller churches. They're looking for that one person to kind of be like the go-to person, you know, and they've leaned very heavily on those people, especially in this time. That's why we all are tired, um, especially because, you know, they're expecting us to figure all this out and and lead them through it and i feel like i have desired more um for people to kind of buy into this like priesthood of all believers you know that we all are called to something each and every day and that we try to go and be about that as a community of faith you know i think that's kind of where i'm hoping some of this time has been uh, kind of fruitful in leading us more into, you know, helping people see that it, cause that, that's one thing that I've looked back on. I didn't really know it at the time that my home church operated more as a unit. You know, it wasn't just because we, we went through pastors a lot. We were a small church, you know? Um, so I, I'd, I'd known several pastors by the time that I was going off. Uh, to college. And I do, you know, I do see that sometimes that kind of is a hiccup for, for churches and congregations. Oh, what are we going to do? We can't get a pastor. We can't keep a pastor. We can't do this. Can't do that. Well, I think that's partially because we've set it up that way. You know, we've set it up to be so pastor centric, so staff centric. We got to have, we got to have a youth leader. We've got to have a choir. We've got to have, you know, and I, I feel like we've just lost sight of being this, the body of Christ, you know, and operating in the world 
uh, and as a unit, you know, like working together, sharing the burdens and, and joys together in a way that's kind of managing the load. <laughs> so I, I don't know. I, I, I guess that's kind of where I'm hoping we kind of move a little bit more towards, but I know that there's a lot of power struggles in the midst of that. And it's not as simple um, as probably it would be in my head um, <laughs> because, you know, obviously we still, we still struggle with that. And I, I just, I wish we could in the CP church, especially figure out ways to really empower all our churches, many of whom are very small and might not have a pastor, you know, to be really open to what ministry could look like for them. And that's something that I feel like we're, we're challenged with right now, especially. Well, that ties into what you were mentioning earlier of looking inwardly. Maybe uh, as communities of faith, we can look inwardly to discover the gifts that are already there. For sure. And smashing those gifts together to complement one another to, to do the witness that you were referring to earlier. Yeah, I think we just got to open people's minds up to what ministry is. You and know, what it can be. Yeah. yeah, it's just because it, uh, even young people, it's not really anyone's fault. It's what they've seen. It's what they've experienced. And, and so people grown up in the church and they've seen certain people doing these certain roles and that's ministry. And they, they've, we've just failed to really uh, educate and provide experiences for people to see. Like that's one of my favorite things about um, doing like short term missions and service trips and stuff like that is they finally find this confidence of oh my gosh god can use me you know and all i did was use my love for soccer <laughs> you know like this is ministry there is this thing you know that you can do and god can use us and sometimes it just takes people um opening up their minds mm -hmm to the possibility that even God could use you, even if you're not the preacher or you're not up there singing beautifully, you know, whatever it is. Well, BJ, how can we continue to follow you on your faith journey? Well, I don't know. Let's see. I would say follow your own, but <laughs> <laughs> of course I'm on social media. Okay. And, uh, so you can definitely find me there. And I do promote a lot of stuff for, Tennessee Synod and our Presbytery youth, youth and young adult stuff primarily. And uh, also our, our church has a, a website, winchestercp.org. It's pretty easy to remember. So you can find what's going on in the life of our local congregation there. So that's, that's probably the best ways to keep up with me. BJ, I appreciate your time. I really do. Thank you for sharing today. Yes, thank you, TJ. Take care. And thank you for listening to today's podcast. Grab a friend and travel with us on our next journey down Cumberland Road.